0: Good. I'm excited today. We're going to start a brand new series today. And so uh, I'm I'm super, super excited about it. It's been something that's been on my heart for uh, a long time. It's called Koinonia. We'll talk about that here in uh, just a few minutes. I want to make sure you know next weekend we are launching our groups, and you do not want to miss uh, next weekend. I'm going to be giving you a little bit of instructions on how you can connect to those groups. If you're getting our emails, you'll get the links to be able to find the groups throughout the summer. I'll be talking to you a little bit more about those, but I want to make sure you know we're kicking those off uh, next weekend. So uh, I've kind of been in a movie-watching mode lately. Like, I haven't watched movies in forever, but my schedule... Feels like it slowed down for the first time in like a year and a half, in the past few weeks since after Easter. So I've had a little bit more time to to sit down and watch a movie in the evening or something. So uh, we last weekend we watched uh, this movie called Crazy Rich Asians. Has anybody seen that? Okay. It's um, it's like a classic rom-com, just based in immersed in Asian culture. Um, and so if you've seen any kind of romantic comedy, you've seen this movie just in uh, Asian culture. And uh, basically, the story: this this uh, young man, young woman, they meet in New York City. He's from Singapore, and he comes from a very wealthy family, like like filthy, filthy rich. And um, and so he is going back to Singapore to, for a wedding and invites his girlfriend along and so they get there and he was supposed to come back and run the empire back in Singapore of this huge thing and he didn't want to go back. He just liked his life in New York and so when he gets there the classic rom-com kicks in and mom his mom does what? She tries to break the relationship up cuz she does not approve of this girl. She's keeping him from the family empire. And so the, you kind of know how the plot goes, so there's no spoilers on this one. She fights the whole time to try to, you know, get this girl out of his life. At one point, she looks, you know, the, the, the girl in uh, her eyes and says, you'll never be good enough for my son. I mean, just like worst nightmare if you're a daughter that's going to meet the family or you're a son that's going to meet the family. Worst nightmare going on. Uh, here. And so, you know, it works out like a classic romantic comedy. Mom comes around, she accepts her in, and and everybody lives happily ever after. Uh, but it just reminded me of that old true statement, uh, when you marry a person, you don't just marry them, you marry the family too. Any you marry folks know what I'm talking about? You don't just marry the person, you marry uh, the family uh, to, and it got me thinking that that's not just true in our marriage and in our relationships. It's also true in the church. True. It's, it's true in the church. Like we, we signed up for this thing with Jesus, like to be a follower of Jesus and surrender our life to him. And, and we love Jesus. And then we, and then we find out like we got brought into a family. We're, not, we're adopted by the Father and we're brought into this crazy family. And so uh, I don't know if you've got any crazy Uncle Jerry's or a close talker Aunt Sally in your family. Well, you get brought into the church, you get adopted into the body of Christ, and you realize like you got more crazy family. (laughs) You you got another uh, crazy Uncle Jerry. You got uh, a cousin Vinny who can never get his act together just like you do uh, in your family. And so we, we come into this and like, we don't just marry the groom. We, we marry, marry the, the, the body too. We marry the family. We've got all these brothers and sisters that we get, uh, brought into. And, and honestly, for a long time, one of the, my, the things that I, have kind of been most burdened about in the American church is, and why in a, in a lot of ways we started this church, why we moved this city seven years ago, um, it's just a burden on my heart that a lot of people, they love Jesus, but I, I'm not into this church thing. I'm not in this church thing. I did a wedding yesterday, and, uh, and I've shared this before, but anytime I do a wedding, uh, as the, the minister that's doing the, the, the officiating, uh, when that bride comes around the corner, uh, I've gotten to where I can look at the bride without crying. I don't know how you do these things. I don't do super well with them. I, I, can, I can look at the bride without crying for the most part, But if I look at the groom and how the groom looks at the bride, I'm losing it. Because there's just something about a way a groom, like never is a man more emotional than he is in that moment when he sees his bride coming down the aisle. I'll lose it. And I, and I, I wish we would grab this as a church, as an American church, if we would see how the groom looks at the bride. If we would see how Jesus looks at his church, we'd start loving the church a lot more than we ever have before. And so it's always broken my heart that we've got this discontinuity We've got this disconnect between Jesus, the head, the groom, and the bride. And we can't have the groom without also hosting the bride. And we can't take the head without also caring for the body. And that's really what this series is going to be about in a lot of ways. It's called koinonia. This group, you're like, I have this word. We have no idea what that means. It comes from the Greek word that gets translated to mean fellowship. Um, fellowship is like the most churchy word you can find like you can probably come up with a more churchy word someone will test me on it but when's the last time you used fellowship in your life like just this week me and some coworkers we went out for some some fellowship afterward like you don't use that word on a day-to-day uh, basis it's just not unless you're like a super big lord of the rings fan and like fellowship of the ring was in your conversation and you're like just really committed it's the Fellowship of the Ring. Then it did come up in your conversation this week, but uh, usually when we talk about fellowship, we think about a couple of things, like that moment where we shake people's hands awkwardly in church, or, or, or that moment when we shake it, people, we're having some fellowship, or, or maybe that those, those, uh, those after church lunches where everybody brings stuff and you try to see what's safe to eat, you know, one of those things, a fellowship dinner, or like the fellowship moment, and what if I told you that we got it all wrong and, and, and actually it's really important that we actually get it really, really right? It's really important that we get it really right and we're actually missing something deep and um, powerful in our life. This word koinonia shows up 20 times in the New, Testament's, New Testament. And most of the time it does get translated fellowship. Other times it'll, it'll uh, get translated like joint participation or, or sharing or sometimes Communion. It's also that same word that when we talk about communion, we'll talk about that later in the series. So we're going to spend the next four weeks really coming to understand what koinonia means, what a real fellowship is, and good news. It's more than the awkward handshakes. It's more than the potluck dinner. It's it's so much more and so much deeper. And I believe if you'll just settle in, like whether you're traveling or whatever your plans are, if you say, I'm not going to miss, I'm not going to miss one of these messages over the next four weeks, whether I'm watching online, I'm listening on the podcast or I'm here, I'm not going to miss one of these because I believe it's going to be that transformative in your life if you'll grab onto this. And and if you'll go a step further and choose to be a part of groups for the next eight weeks, I'm telling you, your life is never going to be the same. Because what I'm going to uncover over these next four weeks is, is we've actually been missing a really big part of this in some of our lives, and uh, I'm looking forward to diving into. I want to start in Acts 242 just to give you a little context. And a lot of times I'll say, I'm gonna give you a little context and I give you like two hours of context. I'm literally gonna give you just a little context today. So Jesus ascends back to the Father um, there in Acts chapter one. And just before he ascends to the Father, he tells his disciples, hey, go and wait in Jerusalem. Here it is. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus ascends back to the Father. They do what Jesus says to do. They go to Jerusalem. They gather together. So all these believers from all over gather in this one room. And like God shows up in a way in which they had never encountered before. I mean, supernaturally shows up. And they received power to do the work and to be witnesses, to do what John Carlo was just telling, to have the confidence to speak out and reach out and tell about the love of Jesus. And so they do that. And then we get down towards the end of that chapter two there and Acts 2, 42 and 47. That's where we're going to read. And we begin to get a glimpse of what this early church, right after Jesus ascended back, they were like figuring things out and they were... Figuring out this new way of life that Jesus had called them into. And so we're going to get a glimpse of what they were doing. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's the word koinonia there. And to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything In common. Like, how many know we don't have everything in common with one another? But the Scripture says they had everything in common. It's actually the Greek word. It's the same root for koinonia with that word common. Uh, They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Just such sharing. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts publicly, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together privately with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thankful for this glimpse that we get of the early church. It's not the only one we get of this type of lifestyle, uh, but it's one. If we go back to just that beginning part of verse 42, if you'll go right back to that, they devoted themselves. The American church is very casual in our relationship with God. Very casual in our relationship with one another it 's like salt we put on uh, at the end with these four things. These are like pieces of our of our life in which we sprinkle it on but but there 's not much we 're devoted to I mean we could use this as it, this was a way this was their way of life and these were things that they that were habits for him. these were priorities in their life and, and just the reality is that that often church is the first thing, or it's the last thing on our priority list. It's, it's the gathering of believers, and being together in prayer, and breaking bread, and the apostle's teaching. They're just kind of things that kind of get our week going on a positive note, you know? It's just, it's just like some helpful moral teachings, or it's just kind of this routine I got, and, and they were devoted to these things. The apostle's teaching is not simply just a reading of the gospel. It wasn't just like, hey, this Jesus loves you. He died for you, Receive his grace, received the gift of salvation. It, it wasn't just that. It was, it was this. I, I would probably translate it, wrestling with the gospel implications of our life. It was more than just hearing the sermon. It was walking away from the sermon and talking with friends like, okay, so what is God calling me to in this now? What does that mean for my life? How do I align my life with the truth of God's word? How do I align? with who God has called me to be. It's wrestling with that. We'll talk about fellowship the rest of the series. Uh, Breaking of bread, we immediately begin to think about about the Lord's Supper. and, And yes, yes, that too, the public breaking of bread together. But there's also private breaking of the bread. They met together daily in their homes, like regularly in each other's homes. And I know like in American culture, like a suburban life, like we just, we pull into our, our uh, garage and they pull into their garage and we say hey when we're mowing the grass, but that's like the extent of it, you know. And we say hey at church, but there's, there's, no, there's no breaking of bread. And so that's, that's really what's talked about here. We'll, we'll look at that a little bit more as we go. And of prayer. And the prayer, public prayer together that it's not just something that the pastor leads us in. It's, it's, it's a habit of my life. It's a part of who I am. It's a part of my life. that I need prayer with other people. Like some of you so badly, like oh, you're just like, you're waiting for a moment. Like you need, you need prayer with people. Like you do. I need it on a daily basis. I need prayer with, uh, with people as, as well. And so um, that's kind of just a, an overview of what we're talking about here. But most of the time, when we think about fellowship, we actually think about breaking bread. We're actually thinking about hanging out and eating food and we think that is fellowship, and we actually completely misunderstand this, and we kind of put two things together, and we miss out on koinonia altogether. And so I just want to ask you real briefly, are you devoted to these things? Are these priority in your life? Are are these commitments for you? Are these habits of your life? And I'm not doing this to, to cast judgment uh, oh, are, are you Are you committed to any of these things? Are you devoted to any of these things? Because I'll tell you something, this was new for them. And you say, hey pastor, like I'd like to be, it sounds cool. <laughs> but like, this is new for me. It was new for them too. Like Jesus just ascended. The church is just getting started. Like they had just experienced the power of God's presence in the upper room. And now they're like, okay, like how do I make this a part of my life? And this is what we we see of this early church. And so my encouragement to you, and, and my, my heart for you, is to not miss out because not miss out because there is so much in like the walk with God and the life with God happens when we are devoted to these things, like and and we begin to be intentional about these things, and these become priorities of our life and habits of our life, and it's it's not because we have like new rituals and new routines. No, it's because God has, I, I believe, like supernaturally touched it. And when we get together with this in mind and with this in heart, like stuff shifts in our life. Like our attitudes shift, our anxieties like flee, like our fears break down, our love builds up, our joy for life just abounds. Like, And I want that for every single one of us, like, why would we not want that? And so that's just birthed out of personal experience there. So this, like I said, this word koinonia, it's, it's difficult to define because it's, it doesn't just mean one thing. It actually means a whole host of things. It doesn't just mean sharing. Like, it doesn't just mean fellowship. It it, it means a, a lot, a lot of things. It's it's the sharing of our resources. It's the sharing of our emotional life. It's a, the sharing of um, our finances, the sharing of our time with one another, our talents. It's sharing a lot of things, so it's tough to, to kind of pin down because it, it really encompasses a lot of things, but if I had to break it down and just give you a simplistic kind of understanding of this, I'd break it down like this. Cornelia, just simple as we can, it's, it's life together. It's beginning to do your life not as an isolated individual with Jesus, but it's learning to do life with Jesus together. This is this is koinonia, and we realize that it doesn't just take one hour on Sunday, but it's it's my it's my life. I actually open myself up to be a part of not just Jesus and church on the weekends, but to be a part of the body all the time, and know that we have this shared. Um, Understanding, I I think there's a a real thing that took place. So uh, I don't know if you grew up in the church. I I did. I I know many of you did not grow up in the church, or or it was like very random when you did attend. Um, And so there was something that took place, and and probably why you didn't attend church. If you're if you're new to church uh, for a long time, is because it just felt like religion. It was very distant. But then you started hearing messages of you know people saying like, no, it's it's about a relationship, not a religion you know, maybe that's some of your story, like you heard that begin to be preached about. And really, it was preachers and teachers that were trying to help the church transition from, hey, it's, it's not about religion. Like, it's about a relationship with God. And the phrase that we hear used a lot of times is, each of us need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And like I said last week, when we were talking about eternity, while that's not incorrect, it is incomplete. It's not incorrect that we need a personal relationship with God, but what happens in that, and what's happened, I believe, in our society is is that we've got a personal relationship with God, and we don't understand that we have this koinonia shared life together with God. I once preached an offensive sermon title that said, Jesus didn't die for you. He died for all of us. You know what I mean? It was just like, he didn't just die for you. It's not just a solo relationship we have got. We're actually in this this life together. And I believe if we can grab a hold of this over these next few weeks, it's going to change how we view everything. If I had to go a little further and get you beyond a simplistic, kind of holistic life together, it helps with that. But I I would describe it like this. Koinonia, it's, it's the outflow of God's grace in the life of a believer in you and me to share all of my life, all of what I have, with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That I know I'm not my own. Like I've been purchased with a price and I've been brought in this family. And so I share my life. I mean, I tell you the most embarrassing stories of my life on this stage. I practice what I preach. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you know how self-deprecating I could be at just about the ridiculous things that have happened and what I've gone through. Um, but I want to go back to the text for just a moment. Because it says that they had everything in common. I think I I need to deal with some misconceptions about what this, what this means to share all of our life. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching. Everyone was filled. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold properties and possessions to give to anyone in need who was in need. I know immediately some of you are like, wait, 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 wait. Talk about socialism here. Like talking communism. Like some of y'all want to get political on me. Like sounds like we're talking about something like that. No, no, no not even close. Nothing was mandated here. This was, this was people choosing, like out of their heart to sell stuff, to give to others, to care for the needs of the body. There's never a, a mandate here. It's not socialism or communism. Let me. Um, I, I've actually seen this happen a ton in our body, right here in our midst. Um, I, I know uh, there's been multiple times like throughout the life of our church in which someone needed a car and, they, and then I, I love it. This is, like my, I love, this is part of my, my, my role here. I love finding out about a need and being like, we're going to meet that need as the body. And so I'm like, hey, some, a family needs a car. Anybody got a car? And somebody's like, I got an extra car. It's just sitting there. We got insurance on it. It's in pretty tight shape. Yeah, we'll give it to them. That's happened multiple times. I know in, in our life, um, you know, I've, I've built the beds that we have for our children now. But uh, for the longest time, like we had like four or five different beds and we didn't buy any of them. We just said, hey, we got a need over here. Anybody got a bed? And like, people are like, yeah, I need to get out of my garage. And that ends up being the motivation. I got one. But that's actually koinonia when it's done the right heart. It's actually like, hey, I've, I've got an extra. I got an extra TV sitting in the other room. Somebody wants to watch services online because they're out of town for the next three months. Okay, I got an extra TV you can take with you. It's, it's sitting there. So it's giving out of choice and out of a heart to give and meet a need. So I see this all the time. Uh, if you knew out of our three children um, how little of clothes that we've purchased in their life, like you'd be shocked at how little clothes we bought. And they've been nice clothes, been good clothes. You know, kids grow out of them fast. And But you know what I see? Like I know some people want to clean out the closets, and Twitter. No, but if we get that in the right spirit, that's actually koinonia. It's actually meeting the needs. It's actually sharing what we have. And so we begin to look at things differently, but why? Why would anybody want to do that? Like, don't we in America just like to pile up and have an extra car in case something breaks down, have an extra TV in case this one goes out, or once a month, or or once a year when somebody comes in town and is in our guest room, you know what I mean? Like, we've got, why would anybody want to do that? I want to flip over two chapters to Acts chapter 4, and I think it's revealed crystal clear what the motivation was here for the early church and why they were living in such a way. Acts 4, verses 32 through 37 says this. <clears throat> See if you can pick it up on it. I made it really easy. See the highlights. See if you can pick up on it. I forgot I did. So all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. They, they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. What what was the outflow of God's grace? There were no needing persons among them. That's why I said in the definition, it's an outflow of God's grace that allows us to do this. There's so much here. From time to time, uh, those who owned land or houses, they sold them and they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. They put it in the offering bucket uh, and, they, and it was distributed to anyone who would need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So can you pick up on the motivation there? What's in their heart to cause them to sell property and like turn it into the offering plate. And I'm not trying to collect an offering today, promise. Because like I said, this is way bigger. This is, ev- this is everything. This, isn't, this is our time. This is our talent. These are our resources. This is, our, resource, this is our, our life. This is our emotional life, our spiritual life. It's all, it's all together. What, what caused them to do this? Well, we're going to talk about that. Let's come back there. Let's flip over to chapter 5, and we see this picture. We're not going to read it. But I'll just tell you the story. There's this couple named Ananias and Sapphira. Because just as well as we can have good motivations on why we do this sharing life, some people have really negative motivations. Ananias and Sapphira uh, Sapphira had really negative motivations. In fact, they saw Joseph. They saw Joseph come and bring it before the apostles' feet, and he just humbly sat it down. He was like, if anybody needs this, they can we can use it to, to meet the needs. And Nice and Sapphira, like, hey, we're going to do the same thing. And so, so they talked about it, and they sold the land, and they came and, like, hey, we did the same thing Joseph did. And, we, and they came and laid their money down. We, we brought it all down here. And, and Peter calls them out, and he's like, hey, hey, hey no, 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 no. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't turn it all in. You didn't turn it all in. You kept some back for yourself. We know it. It's a small town. God told me. It's one of the ways. He found out. And he calls them out calls him out on it. And Ananias in that moment, I don't know if he just had like a, a massive heart attack or stroke or God struck him dead, but he died immediately. He died, I died immediately when he was confronted with that. He died. He's like, God struck him dead. Like you say what you want. And then three hours later, the wife like gets confronted with it and she dies immediately. Like struck dead. It's as if God's saying to the early church, we're going to have pure hearts in this we, we don't give to be seen. We don't share resources so somebody can pat us on the back because they didn't die because of what they chose to bring out of that offering. They died because they lied about it. They, they, they died because they were putting on a front, and God's like, that's not who we are as as my family. That's not who we are. We, we operate with pure intentions and pure heart. And let's go back to four. So that's the negative motivations that we can have as humans. I want to be seen. I want everybody to know what I've done. The pure motivations we see there. What, what caused people to do this? What was the motivation for sharing? One, they were, they were unified. There was unity in heart. Unity of, uh, heart of unity in each of them. Of mind and spirit. Before they ever gathered, before they ever knew about the need, they saw themselves and believed they were one. And, and, and saw ourselves as family. Not as distant relatives as brothers and sisters. Not extended family. Like, fam, like, we're family. They, they saw that. And a complete surrender to God. This has nothing to do with anybody's need. It had to do with, they, they didn't even see their possessions as their own. It's like, mi Sukasa, su casa. You know? Mis Christos, su Christos. Like It's the same God. It's the same God. It's the same spirit. We're, this, we're the same. And so that's what's motivating their heart. But it's ultimately, it's God's grace. Because uh, there's, there's an author, his name's Jerry Bridges. He wrote a book called True Community about this idea of community. And he says this He says, The practice of true community involves uh, responsibilities and actions that do not come naturally to us. Like the natural tendency is to hold on to information about our lives to not be vulnerable. The natural tendency is to not let anybody know there's a need. The natural tendency is to to collect more things and for our own comfort. So the only way that we're able to do this is supernaturally through God's grace. And And it's a gift, just like God's grace of salvation, all the other gifts he gives us. It's a gift that God has given to us, but it's not to meet our own needs. It's to meet the needs of the body, and to be there with one another. There's so much that goes into this. We've talked a little bit about the motivation. Let's talk about the manner in which they were coming and gathering a little bit more. Uh, Go back to the original text, Acts 2, 46 and 47. He said, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with extreme joy or gladness and sincere hearts praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Uh, You know, in America, there's not a Super Bowl, I almost said Super Bowl, there's not a super favorable view of the church in America today. At times, we get punched around because of what we believe, whether it's in media or in your work environments. There's not a super favorable, like favor of all the people but I just wonder if the church started looking like the church is supposed to look like. If, like, the, the view on the church might start changing. We can't change that holistically, but one person at a time, one neighborhood at a time, one relationship at a time, we can do what we can do and begin to enjoy, enjoy favor because they see the power and sacrifice of us living this out. They regularly met publicly and Privately. It wasn't like I know some of us like just the way our personalities can be wired. It's like I actually enjoy the more intimate settings of homes, and I just don't like the public thing. It's awkward for me. Others of you are like the opposite. Like I like to be in the service when everybody's there and it's packed, and I like that. And the home environment is just like icky for me. Like I don't want to really be in that private kind of intimate. I don't know if you kind of can accept that, like maybe in your life or see that in your life. Like yeah, I'm probably kind of more one uh, than the other. They were devoted to both. Like, both were a part of their life, part of who they They were devoted to the public gatherings and the private gatherings, scheduled and unscheduled breaking of bread. Hey, we intentionally, hey, Monday night's at 7, we're going to get together. You know, but also, hey, like, what are you guys doing this weekend? Like, we're, we're just a part of one of those lives. And, and I think for, uh, you know, a long time, I think Taryn and I had to, to learn that I think we always longed for that, but we always wanted everybody else to come and ask us, and we kind of sat jaded for a while, like, nobody's asking us, (laughs) you know what I mean, but we had not asked anybody either, you know, so it goes both ways, so let's not sit on our hands, let's be intentional, and through the scheduled and unscheduled, did you catch what their attitude was like, extreme joy, like, they were just glad to be there, they weren't like, in a hurry, they weren't just trying to go through the motions, They didn't come in with like all the worries of everything. No, no, no. This was the best part of my week that I get to be together with my family. I just, I come in joy and I'm just excited. I'm just excited. What are you excited? I don't know. I'm just excited to be here, excited to be with God's family. It's God's grace working through us and a sincere heart that it's not put on. It's not like a show for everybody, and look, be real. If you're not in the extreme gladness thing, keep us real. Keep it real. Like 100. Keep it real. But that's what God wants for us. That's what we see in this early church that, that we don't come in all bogged down. We actually come in like full of joy and something tangible begins to take place. I, I love one translation if you really look into the sincere hearts. It could be translated simplicity of heart. I just, I loved that. Just it's simple. Like I'm not, not a lot to what you see in this heart. It's just I love, I love God and I love people and uh, and I want to and I'm thankful to be here. <laughs> you know, that's just how I see that. It's so, so real, just sincere. Like I'm not here to get anything. I'm not. Uh, if anything, I'm here to give. I'm here to give something. Like what can I give to encourage the body? And I'm not here to take. I'm here to, um, to give. So what? What does that mean for us in our lives individually? What does that mean for us a, as a church? well, here's what we're going to do over this summer. Uh, traditionally, when we, we do our groups, we've got three types of groups. We have service and groups that which, where if God lays something on your heart, like, hey, there's this one community, there's this need in this part of our city that, hey, we need, we need food. Like, we need food in this area. These, these people are, like, the kids are hungry. Or like a school, like, hey, we're partnering with a school. That's a service group. That's what we've got going there. We have growth groups, which are like, hey, we have a Bible study going. We're doing financial peace. We're going through our freedom group. We've got like these type of groups. So there's growth groups. There's there's, um, service groups. And then we have these groups that are called activity groups. And, And the heart behind activity groups is just koinonia. Like really, we want koinonia in everything. When we talk about authentic community as our second core value, this is what we're talking about. Sincere and glad hearts. Honest, real sharing of life together, community. It's this, actually, the word community gets translated from the word koinonia. The word communion gets translated from the word koinonia. It's this, it's the same idea. That's why it's all encompassing, but it comes out of God's grace. So this summer, we're not doing any spiritual growth groups. We're not doing any um, service groups. Like really this summer, we just, we just want to be together. We just want to get back to communion, like with one another and fellowship with one another and koinonia with one another. So what that's going to look like is we're going to have groups that are around town, different different days of the week, some, some in the mornings, uh, most of them in the evenings uh, around town. And we're just saying, hey, like pick a place to go hang out once a week and be with God's people, like be with your church family, get to know, like my, my hope for each one of you is you get friendships that you've been longing for for a long time. Like, like you look up and, and I'll tell you, just uh, Camden. Our son, some of you know if you follow us on social media, he broke his arm four weeks ago. And so we had a cast from here to here. And uh, they just took it off Monday. Three weeks was pretty short. Uh, but the reason they wanted to take it off is because they didn't want his arm to get kind of locked up. Well, he can only, he can only raise his arm about halfway there. Like he, can only, he can't reach his shoulder. It's so stiff. He hasn't used, he hasn't used his elbow in three weeks. Look, I, I think some of our koinonia muscles are seized up and stiff, like they haven't been used, for some of us ever, <laughs> for some of us ever, like we've never let anybody into our life, we've never shared, like we grew up in an environment, scarce resources, and we are so close with our resources, we've always struggled so much, but like the Macedonian church is actually one, they were in extreme poverty, and it welled up in extreme generosity, like they, they gave what they had, they, they were faithful with what they had, they wanted to help other people and see the gospel go forward, and so um, so what this is going to look like in our groups is uh, we're going to come together, and once everybody's there that we know is coming, we're going to pray, hey, any wins, any of my testimony, like what's God done this week you just want to share, anything we can pray over, and then we're just going to pray, like take five minutes to start it, just on a spiritual note, like this is spiritual, what we're doing is not, it's not not spiritual, It's it's very spiritual, and then we're just going to hang out, we're going to you know, bring potluck, like everybody's gonna bring food, or we're gonna do taco night, and somebody's gonna take care of all the food that night, So some of you will do game nights, and activity nights with the kids, or whatever you guys want, I don't, I don't care what you do, honestly, it's about being together, and drawing us together in the season, and so if you like to hang out with people, and you like food, you're probably gonna like this season of groups, <laughs> and I like both of those things a lot, so uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing, so there's, there's literally nothing else to it, that's what we're doing for the next eight to ten weeks together in our groups. so So that's what we're doing as a church. I want to ask you a couple questions. The band's going to come and close us. Not not super inspirational close here, but I think God's laying this on our hearts in this way. A few questions I I want you to kind of carry forward today and process. In what ways does this this new understanding of Koinonia change my view of the church? If that's true... And that's what fellowship is. And that's in apostles' teaching and prayer and koinonia and breaking bread. If that, that's what it means, the way of life. Like, what does that mean for me in my life? We need to wrestle with that. Second question is, where's my source of koinonia coming from? My source of fellowship? Am, am I coming out of need? Am I? Am I... Or am I seeing this differently now? And I'm not, when, it, when I do something good, I'm not looking to be patted on the back about it. When, when I do offer money or, or meet a need or I'm there, like what's the source of that? Is it just, is it God's grace? Or is it some kind of external, like could anybody see me do that? Did you guys see that? It was awesome, wasn't it? No, it's, it's, it's not do-gooding. It's, it's genuine coming from God's grace to participate, to be a participant in meeting the needs of the body. And what does it look like for me to, to be devoted, to make a habit of koinonia? I can only imagine. I'm just, I'm just dreaming right now because I, I believe this is going to be transformative for us if we'll grab a hold of this. I mean, I, I truly mean like, like some joy and like some light bulbs are going to go off as we start working that arm out and we realize, hey, it's stronger than what it's ever been. I've got more joy than what I've ever had. Like, it's hard. Like, I've been, it's hard every time I go because I'm like tired and like, I, like traffic's bad and I don't like what they have on the menu for that night. And like, I'm working my arm out. Like, no, then I go and then it's like, oh, there's more joy. There's more joy. And like, I, all that stuff just just goes to the wayside because I'm like, it's the habit of my life. And I want it to look like this. I want it to look like God's church. I, I want to be a participant in His body. I'm not just taking the head. And taking a touch of the church on the weekend. No, I'm I'm a part of the the body of Christ. I also believe on a very deep level, God's going to wake you up to needs that you have the ability to meet. We all can't meet them all. We all don't have an extra TV. But God's going to wake you up. I believe this week, God's going to find it. It may be after church. You may be talking to someone. You may find out about a need. and, And that's a moment. Here's your moment. Be a participant. You don't have to solve all the world's problems. You can't. You are not Savior. Jesus still is. Good deal, right? (laughs) We're not the Savior. But we can be a participant in the body of Christ. Uh, Let's stand, and I want to pray over us that God would enable us through his grace. If you're like, hey, this is weird for me. It's not natural. Like, yeah, it's not natural for any of us. It's God's grace that enables us. I want to pray over us. God, I thank you for this calling and to be adopted as a son and for the women in the room as daughters of you, God. For the person in the room that's like, I haven't been adopted. I've never confessed Jesus as Lord. I've never put my faith in him. God, I pray that there's a stirring in their soul to make that decision (coughs) and to make that confession and to tell someone today you're making that decision moving forward. I want to be a part of what God's doing here. God, and I pray all across this room, I just pray that your grace would just, would just manifest in our hearts, that would enable us to love those around us tangibly, God, through, through sharing of resources, tangibly through, through being a listener and sharing our time. God, uh, through our talents that you've placed inside of us, we would actually just start digging into those. God, how can I use this to meet the needs of the body and carry the gospel forward? God, I want to be a part of Koinonia. I want to be a part of what it means to be in the shared life. It's not just my relationship with you, God. It's our relationship with you, as your family, as your sons and daughters. God, we thank you for calling us in. We love you. Carry us on.